الجزيرة بودكاست Is TikTok fun or is it the most widespread system of spying that the world has ever known? Forget about Big Brother, you need to worry about Beijing. TikTok is the most downloaded app in the world. It ends with China having all of your data. What's behind the panic over TikTok? Several countries, from the Netherlands to India to Canada, have put restrictions on the social media app. But some of the most vocal opponents to TikTok are U.S. lawmakers, who compare it to a highly addictive drug. This app is basically digital fentanyl. Digital fentanyl for your brain. Within minutes of creating an account, your algorithm can promote suicide, self-harm, and eating disorders to children. Right now, the U.S. is considering a variety of bills that could lead to a full-on ban on TikTok. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. TikTok, owned by Chinese company ByteDance, has a billion users worldwide. 150 million of those users are in the U.S. And the app is expected to bring in nearly $6.8 billion in ad money in the U.S. alone this year. That's money that the app shares with its creators, who also profit off sponsorships. And some of those users are worried about what could happen if some U.S. lawmakers get their way. Do you know what's going to happen when TikTok gets banned? Nobody's going to know what to do with their lashes. I'm very irritated that the communities that have been built on this app and the careers that have been formed have the potential to disappear into thin air now. A lot of digital activists are concerned, too. That includes Evan Greer, the director of Fight for the Future, a nonprofit digital rights organization. But Evan's history with civil liberties and the internet predates TikTok by a long time, from a past life as a punk musician. I remember showing up at like a little record store in Prague and there's like all these kids that know all the words to my songs thanks to the connecting force of the internet. At the same time, I was involved in environmental activism and other types of activism where I was seeing people being targeted by the government for surveillance or being arrested for their political activities or beliefs. And I really saw the other side of this technology as a force for oppression. So I think we should start this conversation with an admission that I am not on TikTok yet. (laughs) The network of Al Jazeera is on TikTok. So um, I am familiar, of course, but I get most of my TikToks via Instagram Reels. How would you describe your relationship with the app? I'm glad we're we're starting off with confessions because <laughs> I also am one of those geriatric millennials yes. who is a little just a little too old to have figured it out yet. But what I will say is that it's obviously taken a big footprint in the US and within certain communities as well. For myself as someone that does a fair amount of activism within the LGBTQ community and who's also a musician, I just see how important a venue for expression this has become, for better or for worse, for a lot of people and particularly for marginalized people in the U.S. and around the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so let's just dive right into there. We have seen multiple countries take action against TikTok. I'm thinking France, Jordan, India, 
TikTok, via son propriétaire, est soupçonné de fournir au Parti communiste chinois à des fins d'espionnage. The U.S. has already limited the use of TikTok on government phones, like some of those other countries have. But many lawmakers want to take things even further. And that was especially obvious last week during a U.S. congressional hearing with TikTok CEO Shou Chu. The committee will come to order. Now, some of the most heated moments had to do with Chinese ownership of the app. The Chinese Communist Party is engaged in psychological warfare through TikTok to deliberately influence U.S. children. Did you watch the hearing? Yeah, I tuned into a little bit of it. Eventually, I, I had to turn it off just because I do have a limit for how much like old white dudes talking about technology <laughs> they don't understand I can stomach on any given day. And I think you can actually read a lot into how they're talking about this. Unfortunately, what this shows is a lot of this is very much tech policy that's made for TV. And there were many exchanges, like the one between Republican Kat Kamak and TikTok CEO Sho Chu. You damn well know that you cannot protect the data and security of this committee or the 150 million users of your app, because it is an extension of the CCP. And with that, I yield back. Can I respond, Chair? No, we're going to move on. I think, you know, we have to acknowledge that there's a degree of xenophobia that kind of is encrusted around some of these concerns. A lot of the practices that TikTok engages in that are concerning are widespread across the tech industry and deserve a comprehensive response. But the focus on TikTok can't be separated from lawmakers' desire to appear tough on China. Mm. And that really does seem to be the animating force for both Republicans and Democrats in the U.S. as they're talking about banning an entire app. Yeah. I want to play one of those moments for you and get your take on it. This is Representative Dan Crenshaw uh, to the TikTok CEO. Your TikTok employees that live in China, they must cooperate with Chinese intelligence whenever they are called upon. And if they are called upon, they're bound to secrecy. That would include you. So, Mr. Chu, if the CCP tells ByteDance to turn over all data that TikTok has collected inside the U.S., even within Project Texas, do they have to do so, according to the Chinese law? Congressman, first, I'm I'm Singaporean. Um, (laughs) You know, I think this is actually a great example of both where there's valid concern and where there's tremendous hypocrisy. We absolutely should be concerned that governments, including the Chinese government, are demanding information from companies after they collect it. That's a common practice, and it's something that most governments around the world engage in. It's hard to ignore the hypocrisy of a U.S. lawmaker raising this when we know that companies in the U.S. also receive national security letters, which are demands from the government for information, many of which include gag orders that prevent those U.S.-based companies from telling anyone about the fact that they've received these secret surveillance requests from the U.S. government. The United States government and law enforcement agencies continue to lead their counterparts in other countries in requesting user data from Google. We also shouldn't ignore or deny the fact that China's government is perhaps one of the most authoritarian in the world and has developed perhaps one of the most sophisticated surveillance and censorship regimes. 
And so we can hold all of those truths at the same time. But I think what that then brings us to is, okay, so but what do we do about this? Would banning TikTok actually protect us from China's government spying on people using data collected by tech companies, if that's what we're concerned about? And the answer is resoundingly no. What the answer is after the break. Hello, I'm Charles Dance, your narrator for Hindsight, an original podcast by Al Jazeera. We carry on exploring the lives of history's most notable figures, from Rosa Parks to Pol Pot. We meet the people who changed the way we think about our world and those who left it marked by their infamy. Hindsight from Al Jazeera, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm talking with digital rights activist Evan Greer about the panic over banning TikTok and whether a ban would address privacy concerns. Even if we banned TikTok entirely in the United States, China's government could absolutely collect almost the same data just by purchasing it from data brokers, Hmm. which are almost entirely unregulated in the United States. It's a national embarrassment that we have no basic data privacy law in the United States. And so when I see lawmakers and senators saying things like, well, what we want is for this company to be based here in the U.S. and governed by U.S. laws, I just have to sort of laugh because there are almost no laws that would be governing them. Hmm. Well, Evan, there were some moments in the hearing that felt a little bit like listening to a tech support hotline. There's one moment in particular that I'm thinking of. It's a question from the hearing in which Republican Representative Richard Hudson asked about TikTok's ability to enter someone's home Wi-Fi. Mr. Chu, does TikTok access the home Wi-Fi network? Only if the user turns on the Wi-Fi. I'm sorry, I may not understand the So if I have a TikTok app on my phone and my phone is on my home Wi-Fi network, does TikTok access that network? It will have to to access the network, to get connections to the internet, if that's the question. I know that anyone with some tech knowledge is just kind of shaking their head right now listening to that. But when you hear that, do you get a sense that the U.S. Congress is ready to regulate technology like this? It is hard to not hear an inane question like that and and laugh. You know, I think this phenomenon of hearings where lawmakers ask obviously stupid questions (laughs) about technology is not new. Folks may remember the hearing where Mark Zuckerberg was called before Congress and a senator basically asked him, How do you sustain a business model in which users don't pay for your service? And Mark Zuckerberg literally had to look him in the eye and say, Senator, we run ads. I see. That's great. And so I think the fact that a sitting U.S. senator who's supposed to be engaged in legislating or regulating these companies, you know, seemed oblivious to even how they make money, um, does show how much work we have to do to get from here to the types of policies we need in place to protect people. But I do think it's important that we don't reinforce the narrative that lawmakers are kind of too incompetent to do something about this, because I actually think that's a narrative that benefits some of these large companies who are trying to avoid regulation at all costs. There are clear things that our elected officials could do right now to protect people, and we need to hold them accountable and demand that they do it. So let's talk about what TikTok does actually collect. 
a lot of information about its users. That includes things like our location, IP address, keystrokes, things that we might have bought online. How different is that, though, from other internet companies like Meta or Google? Yeah, and it's worth saying that TikTok is perhaps one of the worst in this realm. They do collect a tremendous amount of data. Um, the key logging that you mentioned is perhaps particularly concerning because that could mean they're collecting information about something you started to type but then maybe thought better of, for example. Mm. And you know, it could also potentially sweep in other sensitive information like passwords, et cetera, depending on how you're using the app. That said, I think it's worth noting that when we talk about the differences between TikTok and, for example, Instagram in terms of privacy practices, we're talking about the difference between like an orange and a grapefruit, right? We're not talking about totally different fruits. These are like different shades of roughly the same thing. Both of these apps employ effectively the same business model of harvesting as much data about us as possible and using that to serve us content that they think will keep us clicking and scrolling and generating ad revenue for them. And I think, frankly, a lot of the concern about TikTok isn't about the spying, but who's doing the spying. And I think that's where it really does start to expose some of the hypocrisy here. So TikTok has been making some overtures to some international privacy concerns. Europe has privacy regulations that have tripped up companies like Meta. So what kinds of privacy protections can TikTokers in Europe expect? Yeah, so Europe has the GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation. It requires companies to provide ways for consumers to opt out of data collection and forces them to disclose data breaches within 72 hours. It certainly could be a lot stronger. In a lot of cases, it's created to sort of more checkboxes to check, saying, yes, I agree, you can harvest all of my data and do whatever you want with it. But that said, these protections are significant. And as you said, they've led to significant lawsuits and fines for some big tech companies and certainly have led to them to change some of their worst practices. And so what I think we need is more of this. What we've advocated for here in the U.S. is for data privacy protections that are focused on data minimization. Mm. So rather than just regulating what companies can do with your data once they collect it, we should be focused on making it illegal for companies to collect so much sensitive data about us in the first place. And yet, despite all of our talk about the ways this could be regulated and perhaps needs to be, the U.S. is not going in that direction. The U.S. is considering either a potential ban or a forced sale. So some of TikTok's 150 million users in the U.S. are worried about where the U.S. is headed with this potential ban. And of course, they're going on to TikTok to talk about it. So I've watched the congressional hearing with the TikTok CEO, and I have beef with our congressmen and women. I tried to call my senator to get some questions answered just because I feel like there is some not transparent stuff in this bill that I would like to be transparent. I think we've seen a real explosion of tension on this. And, you know, folks have been talking about the concern that TikTok could be banned for years. Some folks may remember that this was something Donald Trump talked about when he was in office. We're looking at TikTok. We may be banning TikTok. We may be doing some other things or a couple of options. And then it ended up getting struck down in court. 
So I think there was perhaps a bit of fatigue at a certain point where people were like, yeah, I don't know. They keep saying they're going to ban TikTok, but like, are they really? And I think this hearing kind of made it real for folks where they were like, oh, my God, like these are sitting U.S. lawmakers talking about doing this. And it's bipartisan. It's both Democrats and Republicans. The Biden administration is supporting this. I think that suddenly made it real for people where they were like, oh, my God, this could actually happen. This app that I have built a large audience on or that is, you know, really important to me in my community and connecting could just suddenly go away. So, Evan, the creator economy we know is this billion-dollar market, and so many of those creators are on TikTok. So could you talk briefly about how a ban would affect that creator economy and why that matters? I think even in the hearing, some lawmakers were basically saying, like, well, if we ban TikTok, these creators will just go to another platform and, like, they'll be fine. Um, Which I think anyone who's listening who's ever tried to build an audience on any social media platform, it's just not that simple. You can't just, you know, overnight go and rebuild, you know, your large audience that you've dedicated lots of time and money and energy to building on one platform somewhere else. And so it would have a devastating economic effect And again, I think it's worth just pointing out that a lot of folks for whom this is their livelihood come from marginalized backgrounds. TikTok has been a really important app for LGBTQ young people in the United States, for people of color. Um, It's not a coincidence, I think, that particularly Republican lawmakers seem so intent on shutting this down when it's a venue that's used by many of their loudest critics and very, very popular creative people who often make fun of them in viral and amusing ways. So finally, Evan, what do you think conversations like the ones that we're hearing now in the U.S. and in the EU mean for the future of the Internet? I think we're really at a crossroads here. The Internet hasn't been perfect But it has been this global and largely borderless kind of democratic force in the world. China has been a really egregious exception to that. The Great Firewall is perhaps the most sophisticated internet censorship machine in the world. But for the most part, the rest of the world has like all been on the same internet. And what really worries me about this is that we're starting to see governments that claim to be defenders of democracy and human rights heading in that same direction, where we could have a totally balkanized internet. And so I think we're really at this crossroads right now where the decisions that we make about the internet and the policies governing it are going to determine not just what the world looks like for the next couple of years, but what the future of our human civilization looks like. Mm and whether it's going to be built on openness and dialogue and cooperation or built on closed walled gardens, fences, prisons, surveillance, censorship. I know which world I want to live in, and I think most of us do, but it's up to us to fight for it if we want to live in it. And that's The Take. If TikTok is not banned where you live, you can find us there at Al Jazeera on TikTok, all one word. This episode was produced by Nagin Oliai and Ashish Malhotra with Miranda Lynn, Chloe K. Lee, Khalid Sultan, Amy Walters, and me, Malika Bilal. 
Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Adam Abugad and Munira Al-Jusari are our engagement producers. Alexandra Locke is the Takes executive producer, and Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. Special thanks to Andy Greiner. We'll be back.